Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. On the viewpoint. They land tomorrow, the champions of the world, the Springboks, that is. On Thursday, they are in Pretoria, Johannesburg, and Soweto. On Friday, they are in Durban. On Saturday, East London, Sunday, Port Elizabeth, culminating on the 11th of November next week, Monday, in Cape Town at the headquarters of South African Rugby Union. That is Sia Golisi together with Rassi Erasmus and their men. 18 months ago, they began a journey which was, for all accounts, most improbable. Not even those most positive among us in reality. 20, certainly, in the middle of 2017, after Albany, 57, no. There was just absolutely no way even the most optimistic of supporters could have said the Springboks would win. They spent... 19, 20 weeks in Japan, and they have what now? Come back with a trophy. Absolutely amazing. This stuff has got Hollywood written all over it. I've got with me in studio somebody who this time last week was in studio. His voice was somewhat very characteristically buoyant, albeit for the wrong reasons in my view. And the opposite is true now. Somewhat subdued is allowing me to speak for as long as I have been. Tabiso Mosia, whose voice you had just heard for an hour before me. I was just waiting for you to cry, because it <laughs> sounds like you're going to cry. No, well, I could have, and I probably would. Well, but the point let me is, get the studio first before you cry. Tabiso, let's just quickly break down. How did England capitulate as they did? In the back line, they were nowhere. Ben Youngs might have tried. Ford was nowhere. It seemed like Farrell was rattled. He didn't have that imposing, positive body language that we saw last week. And the back three who I had feared, Daly, Watson, and May, they were just nowhere. Positional play, dropping balls, getting beaten on the outside. They just allowed us, literally in the back line, where probably they might have had the upper hand initially. They proved to be somewhat England's kryptonite. So before we get there, folklore has it that two years ago, Rasia Rasmus, Jacques Nenaba, and their wives sat in a pub in Ireland drinking beer, of course, as any other South African would do. And they were not happy with what they were seeing off the box, that 57-0 that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and their loss to Italy. And they said, and they said, we need to go back home. We need to go back to our country. We need to fix this. But they needed permission from their wives. And their wives agreed. They said, Mane, you can go back home if you want to help the box. And that's how Rassi came back, became the director of rugby. And then during that time, Obviously, um, Alistair could not stay now because he was going to be a hands-on director of rugby. And that's when he became caretaker coach 18 months ago. He wasn't appointed as the coach of the Springboks mm-hmm. at the time. That's right. It was just caretaker up until the World Cup. And the rest, as they say, is history. And I mean, I call him the mastermind because I sat here last week and I said I tipped England to win the World Cup before the tournament started. A man doesn't go back on his word. Mm. I stuck with my bet even though I was hoping that I was wrong. And thank goodness I was wrong. I just think nobody saw it coming the way the box played on Saturday. 
Not even you would have seen it coming. Not even Eddie Jones saw it coming. Not even John Mitchell saw it coming. All of a sudden, we were not seeing those box kicks from Fafti Clegg. All of a sudden, the ball was going out wide. We were seeing a lot more of Mapimpi. We were seeing a lot more of Lucanio Arm and Cheslin Colby on the wing. And I think that was really uh, the masterstroke from Rassi Erasmus. They made everybody believe that they can't play rugby. They can only play the forwards rugby. But as we saw on Saturday, they can play when they want to. Was that the coming of age of Lucanio Arm? That performance? For, for, for a lot of people, I guess it was, because a lot of people had doubts about Lukanyo Arm. But I've always believed that Lukanyo Arm is a fantastic rugby player. We've seen what he's done at, 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 at the Sharks. The same as Mapimpi. I mean, for me, Mapimpi was the best wing in Super Rugby, hands down. I believe even if Apiwe Janchi was fit, Mapimpi would have pushed him. I mean, if, if, sure. if, if you know what I mean, I'm, right? I'm with Forget you, I'm being with you. fit. But um, he would have he would have pushed Apiwa Janji for the starting place, which Apiwa Janji a year ago seemed to have owned. They were just in terrific form. And Mapimpi actually said after the game that um, Stick, the man that was mocked, the man that was ridiculed under Alistair Kutia. Who had to of, leave at some point for a year yeah, yeah, and go to the under-20s. A lot of people said it was a quota appointment and all sorts of things. Mapimpi said he actually gave him a program to work on at the Sharks. And that's how his game improved. And the high ball in particular. The high ball in particular, yes. That's exactly what they were concerned about. And and, and also his defensive his defensive oh, abilities. He still has to work on that, I think. He still gets drawn in. He doesn't quite know how to defend a team moving back. Yeah. Anyway. But I just think the English did not see it coming. They couldn't change. They were bamboozled. They couldn't change it midway through the game. Eddie Jones didn't know what to do at halftime. And that's why the English media was slamming them today, saying that the senior players should have taken charge and changed the game plan. And also that miss of Owen Farrell. It was very crucial, that miss. Oh, yeah. I think it was 59 at the time. Could have been a three-point game. could have been everything. Could have been a three-point game. Everything. Could have been really tight. Okay, let's take a quick ad break. I'll have him for another two minutes. I have to ask him a couple of questions about the game itself, after which we go to former Springbok manager, Dada Zolayeye, whose history in the game itself is quite deep. It's 11 minutes past. Good evening. My name is Song Azamabekla. You're speaking to a champion. I'm speaking to champions. We're a nation of champions. 12 minutes past eight now. Let's continue the conversation on the other side. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. I'm catching up with SAFM Sports on presenter in Mr. Tabisa Mosia, who had tipped the English to win this time last week. I tipped the Springboks to win, probably largely because out of patriotism, but I think smart <laughs> money in all reality could have and should have gone to England. But I did say that they had played their best game in the semi-final, and for the most part, that capitulation proved just that. They would have had to have beaten the Springboks, New Zealand, Australia, as well as Argentina. That would have been as convincing a World Cup victory as you would ever have seen. I mean, you don't beat three of the Southern Hemisphere giants and still not be considered a world beater. And they were very confident of doing it. They really embraced it, especially after they beat the All Blacks. I think you were the one of the one of the people that said last week that maybe they could have played their final in that semi-final. And I think that was probably correct because you saw that they were nowhere um, in the final. I mean, Eddie Jones was asked, what does he make of the box physicality ahead of the game? And he said, look, we're going to give as good as we get. They must bring it on, mate. We are ready for for them and I don't think they were ready for the box to 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 spread it out 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 wide and 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 they've really taken it badly the English I've seen some of the of, of the reports in the media I mean when Eddie Jones took over in 2015 the goal was to win the World Cup he turned them around completely did a he magnificent Joe's job but he fell 80 minutes short and, and 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 the English will not forgive you for that but they should the Springboks were galvanized and they played under the silent inspiration 
of a young man whose story in itself is inspirational. A word about Siakolisi and the group of men that he led. It's quite obvious for me as somebody who has played the game, who's been relatively close to it for the longest time since, that the body language of the players speaks volumes when they are around Siakolisi. Your views? And 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 uh, I've had a lot of people saying, why are we celebrating Sia? Why is Sia being singled out? He's not being singled out, firstly. Firstly, he's captain. And secondly, he's made history by, by obviously becoming the first uh, a black captain to lift the trophy. But for me, as somebody that comes from PE, I know exactly where Usia comes from. As and we it's, As we did, or as white, as we say. Uh, but it says we dig. But I know exactly where Usia comes from. I know the environment. I know that township. I know I know, I, I know what poverty has done to those townships as we dig, Wazakele, and New Bright. And it's it's not easy for people from there to make it in rugby. That's why guys like Tando Manana, for me, when they ask me who's my hero, I'll say Tando Manana because he's one of those that I've seen him make it in front of our of, of, of our eyes. And and I think it's a tragedy 25 years later since democracy, Songezo, that uh, the best rugby players from the township still have to go to these so-called rugby schools to further their careers. The same goes for cricket. The same goes for swimming. And I think it's high time now that we create this school of excellence in our townships, that we create these facilities, that we equip there's coaches in the township because there are a number of coaches in the township and they just need to be equipped and given the right knowledge that they can impart uh, to the kids. I mean, if you take a Sia Kolisa out of Msengeni Primary School, we spoke to his coach, Eric Songwin, mm-hmm. now the man that discovered him. He Beautiful says, story. He says he took three. Uh, that went to Gray and they went to the trials and they were picked by Gray. Now you ask yourself, what happens to the other 12? The Absolutely. 12 gets left behind. It's the same as in, in, as in cricket. You find one Makayantini from Dingi, uh, you take him to Dell College. What happens to the other 10 that they were playing with? And I really, really think that... potentially in, peak later as opposed to the time when the trials are on. Yes, and I think it's an injustice that we don't have these facilities in our townships because we need to create equal opportunities for all our kids. I want to speak to somebody who knows quite a lot about that particular region, in rugby in particular, the former Springbok manager, Dadazolaye. So thank you so much to you. A legend. Absolute legend. tell you about the history of black rugby, that man. And that's exactly what we're going to probe because we don't want to talk about the Springbok victory more than we do what a Springbok victory could particularly do, should do, and what it has done or what it hasn't done that could have been a delivered promise. Thank you so much, Mr. Tabiso Mosi. I will see you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a promo break right now. Quickly, please, Phineas, before we get on the saddle with the former Springbok team manager, Mr. Zolayaya, whose relationship with rugby is both deep as it is special, not just with Saru as it then was, but with Saru as it now is. Please stay tuned.